0: And welcome to CFCP's On Air. cfcps on air the podcast looks at migrant and culturally diverse artists and how we can effectively showcase and further develop their talents on air also discusses what interculturalism and migration means in a global context and how arts and culture can help in breaking down and highlighting these intolerances this session of cfcps on air we talked to visual artist and photographer samantha brown about slavery migration identity and visibility within the irish context um, just coming back to the work that you did for the new voices of Ireland series and <coughs> it's really sort of just to take us through this idea of Middle Passage, is Middle Passage part of a personal history or is it more of a generic history, the history of slavery?
1: Um, It isn't um, because um, years ago I did my DNA test um, with my brother and we discovered that we actually have um, DNA um, connections back to Nigeria and when I was, and it was quite a long time ago, so I kind of forgotten about it. And then when I was paired with um, Boyega, I kind of was thinking back again, and I was looking back on the material of the, the history of they give you of the map of the world of where you know the biggest matches are, and they were in Nigeria. And I just thought that might be an interesting. Um, connection between us Mm -hmm. but he's obviously he's a lot closer in connection to the country than I am Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Having been born there um but I still wanted to kind of explore that a little bit more
2: Mm
1: -hmm. and when listening to his lyrics I kind of went to um for a walk and there were kind of lots of kind of streams and rivers and it caused me to kind of think of how many people have used waters, passive ways as transportation or migration or and in this case it's slavery. So I took water took photographs down at the the streams, rivers, beaches around in my area, like I think walking distance really but I didn't have any horizon on them. It was very small horizon. It was mainly the water and the the shoreline on my side. And um, I began collecting different quotes uh, from different other books that I was reading. And um, I just want to say as well that I watched the Samuel L. Jackson documentary Enslaved. Mm -hmm. And that was... um, quite significant for me because it was a documentary about slavery that I hadn't really been exposed to before, about people who, you know, been in sunk in the bottom of ship in the middle of, you know, in the middle of the ocean. And this dilemma of whether you bring the ship up with all these bodies, or whether you leave them there to to rest, you know, in their final resting place. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of very touching for me because I never really considered that before. Um, You kind of know in the abstract people went from here to there, but you don't actually think about the waterways and how that affects that's part of history as well. Mm -hmm. So um, that was kind of one of the jumping off points to this project as well as. knowing that the egg was from Nigeria. Mm-hmm. So it's the process of kind of research from the books that I was reading. I was reading about um, uh, Maladoma, Patrice Soma. <laughs> he has a book of water for chocolate. Oh, sorry, of water and the spirit about his time um, in a... Um, I oh, not know what they're called, um a seminary for 15 years, kind of taken away from his parents and had mm-hmm. also to learn French and and then trying to go back into village life after that and try, and going back into an initiation to try and get back into the village life after 15 years and relearn the language.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then being sent out once he was initiated, he was sent back out into the world to kind of tell the truth about village life and what happens and it's like information. It's informing people, educating people on what actually happens rather than um, some myths or stories that are made up around um, ancestral healing or religion or that's not, that's pre-colonisation. It's not, it's tribal history, I suppose.
2: mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So I had um quotes from his book. I had quotes from Native American teachings. uh Jamie Sands as well, and which is something that I thought was quite interesting. They kind of their the, the traditions between the African and the Native American. They kind of walk in step with each other. They're very, very, very similar traditional teachings and ways of using nature. And so I found that interesting reading the two narratives, and I also I had to do some research into the history of the slave trade, mm-hmm. so documentary evidence, people who worked under below deck um, sailors, and people who yeah, what happened in some parts of England when you've got waves and strays of people, to, you know, walking the streets with no. Form of income, they end up going on a ship, and that's a wage for them. You know, that's just like let's get them rid of them, get them on ships, and employ them as sailors or whatever. And then mm-hmm. they end up, you know, being jailers of people. And um, even if, even when they do arrive safe so to the Americas, and you've got slave enslaved people who escape. You've got these people who is, who are being paid to, to find them. I mean, that's that's their wage, you know. Um, so it was interesting to cover quite a wide variety of people: um, an anti-slavery um, good guy who was a dwarf in um, in the UK he would throw these terror theatre and go to uh, meetings and throw red wine or red blood on people who were involved in the slavery trade.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So it was interesting. He was a dwarf, a guy who made his own clothes and obviously was a very much a standalone person in the sea of the commodity of the slave trade um, in where he was based. Um, I'm not saying it's against the whole of slavery, but he did speak up against it. Um, so it was interesting to do the research it was also a little bit painful when you, when you kind of read about what people went through um, suffering and um, the survival rates I mean 40% of people didn't survive the, these journeys so um, yeah the fact that you survive is quite miraculous really
0: hmm. Yeah. The conditions that people were um, suppressed or in, had to endure were sort of mm. fairly horrendous from from what we read. So, yeah. yeah. Um, one thing I'd like to ask at this point is because obviously um, from what you've been saying, there's there's a huge amount of representation, if you like, uh, of the slave trade. Um In both um, a good form and a bad form. I mean, if we take the Black Lives Matters and the problems or the the recent protests that have been in the UK, particularly uh, about figures that have been associated with the slave trade, even in Ireland here with Trinity as well yeah uh, there 's an american artist a uh, black artist called titus kaffer i don 't know if you 've come across his work. Uh, he tries to repaint the narrative in in a number of ways. He is actually a visual artist and he tries to look at how people of color have been represented within um, American art. Uh, mm. What he's trying to do is not necessarily to erase um, the white people from the pictures, but to, as he says, to put them into the background and bring the personal colour forward. Yeah. Um, and I think... <laughs> Sometimes within the slave trade, um, certainly when we're looking back on it, we have a very much a colonial view of it and not mm. much of a view from the actual s- slaves themselves, if you like. And mm. was that critical with the work that you were doing is trying to to highlight a bit more this idea of what the notion of being a slave was like?
1: Yeah, I mean, people who were enslaved suffered awful conditions. Um And it was – I definitely wanted to have this feeling of being quite confined, of being – not really having air or being kind of submerged, that that there were like lots of layers
2: Mm -hmm.
1: that people kind of experience, whether it's kind of going through the text and having the water – Soundtrack, as if you know, you could be sitting on a boat and you could be hearing this water coming up under your knees or whatever. I mean, for a lot of people who were enslaved, they'd never seen water before;
2: they'd never mm-hmm. been on a
1: boat before.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, these the conditions were quite shocking for them.
0: Mm-hmm. And I mean, if we look at sort of analogies between then and now um, if you want to take this idea of sort of displacement on a, a wider scale that you know we have people from numerous parts of the world who are forcibly moved from their native area to another area uh, mm. and in some respects Enslaved within the environment that they actually arrived to. Uh, how do you think we can use the lessons from the past of this forced displacement of slaves to help understand and help inform the, the idea of displacement of today?
1: Well, the enslavement of today is is it's from, I mean, it's it can be economic. It was very much an economic. reason why people were enslaved mm-hmm. it, was, it was primarily to work crops to fill people's pockets when people are, who are now can maybe be displaced for different reasons because of war persecution um, in, you know it's, it's a wide variety of reasons why people can be displaced
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, rather than just being funneled as a commodity Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, while the reasons, while the outcomes might be very similar, you're, you're somewhere you don't know and you're fleeing from somewhere, which is quite different. You could be fleeing a a situation. hmm I mean, people who are enslaved weren't fleeing anywhere, but, I mean, they were quite happy where they were.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they were forcibly <laughs> moved. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I and mean, so it's a completely different situation, really. Um, well, the outcome might be the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's still sad at the end of the day. I mean, to be forcibly removed from where you know and are accustomed to, mm-hmm. to to somewhere you mm-hmm. don't know.
0: Mm-hmm. And just coming back to this idea of the the the, the iconography, if you like, that we've had uh, as. Um, almost the celebration of whiteness, if you want, and the celebration of people who've been involved in the slave trade. Um, They tried to, with Trinity, to remove some of the statues. Again, in Bristol, we've had the statues removed. There's been numbers of other statues and sort of monuments to people who've been involved with it. How do we start to rewrite the narrative? Uh, How do we try to show that... It's, that there is a different story here.
1: Well, I think it's, with the monuments, they're only showing maybe 10% of what that person did to actually get the statue of themselves. And it's been repeated up and down the country. Mm -hmm. It's the same situation. But underneath it all, where did that, money come from? Where did that expense come from? Why, why are they celebrating themselves so much? Why do they feel the need to celebrate themselves? Mm-hmm. You know, is there no kind of moral kind of to, to want to just have a statue of yourself and not even think about all the grey areas that have got you got you to want to put a statue of yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody is nobody is that fantastic. They're just going to put a statue of themselves and all the good that they've done. It's not one hundred percent good. I mean, I don't know what criteria. There should be some criteria about being able to put a statue up of yourself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, you can't just put statues up willy nilly. I don't know. It's, maybe it's a bit too late now, but I think it's something that maybe be put in place to decide which statues get taken down and which gets to stay up, like have certain criteria of where the wealth came from. Were you a philanthropist? Where did your wealth come from? Were you on the backs of people working for you, you know, in the Americas or in the Caribbean or wherever? Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't matter whether you had 50 people enslaved or 500.
0: Yeah, the fact that you had one or even, not even one, but even the the notion of enslaving somebody um, should be enough to negate any celebration of what you're actually about. Um, Otherwise, we end up having statues to people that we wouldn't necessarily want to be representing society today because they mm-hmm. might have done something good uh, or they might not have done they might just have the capability to afford a statue of themselves that they can put up somewhere yes, but
1: exactly it and doesn't that's necessarily what mean that they can afford to do
0: it yeah yeah uh, but whether they are actually deserving of it is mm-hmm. a different story altogether
1: mm-hmm. And they have a different criteria of deserving. So, you know, they might have put money into a bank or a school or Trinity or something like that. That's their very narrow view of deserving. But enslaved people didn't get a penny. Nobody, Mm -hmm. there's no reparation for the sacrifices and deaths that they suffered. Mm -hmm. I always kind of think that um, if aliens landed on Earth and all they had to look at was the statues, what would they think? Yeah. What do they think of the place if all they had to go on were statues? Yeah. You know, yeah. how would that represent society? It wouldn't.
0: Exactly. And it, and it shouldn't really, in, in a number of respects as well.
3: Fluid, light on his feet, he freed it. Burning, throbbing muscles, it's an effort in the zen the spell is broken rooted to the spot i'm now frozen now i fall down like a clown back to the wall who do i call am i left behind am i left behind i can't rewatch from this fight water fizzes in my eyes fizzes it is I can't rewind. Never mind. Never mind. Something is buried here under the levees. My hands still.
0: is on air the podcast that discusses what interculturalism and migration mean in a global context and how arts and culture can help in breaking down and highlighting these intolerances Uh, just moving on to a bit more a wider spectrum of what you've you've done um, as a body of work mm-hmm. and uh, I read in the biography that um, there seems to be a number of instances that are to do with so- social issues, particularly community led if you like uh, this idea of you you have a, a project that's done between Dublin and Belfast, the, the shoe factory uh, mm-hmm. the Clark shoe factory and even the, the slavery one with uh, Middle Passage There's, it's the element there about the the, the ship, if you want, or the um, yeah. the, the factory, if you like, mm. um, or the cities. But the thing that seems to be coming across critically in what you, you're telling us is this idea of the society that's underneath it, the ones who are directly involved, be that the mm. workers in the clerk's factory, mm. be that the people who live within the cities, or be that the slaves themselves. Mm. Could you just expand a little bit more on that notion as well?
1: Well, I think it's something that I'm exploring That's come into my practice very recently through the Clarks project. And this project, um, because I've kind of involved a lot more research in my projects now, and I'm using collage and different mediums. So the past, these past projects have kind of gone in that direction, and I'm finding that. Research is very much part of my um, practice, whether it's a small part or, you know, or a larger part. I mean, With time constraints, I only had a certain amount of time to research the Middle Passage project, which mm-hmm. is probably okay for
2: mm-hmm. what it was. Mm-hmm. But
1: um, it's definitely kind of moving more in that direction now compared to my projects before. Yeah. Um, yeah, it certainly has kind of turned to be a bit more of a new direction for me. hmm
0: hmm yeah. And where, do you, I mean, you've exhibited in numerous places and is it really this idea, I mean, we're, we're in a, a COVID world at the moment, mm. if you like, and so we're missing the physical location of actually a gallery yeah. space um, because... If we take, I, I must admit, I've, I've not seen much from the Clark's one, and I've only seen bits from the middle passage, but they do look as though they, they need to be hung, they need to be seen, they yeah. almost uh, have this idea of being large pieces that people need to interact with. Um, yeah. And how do you find that being constrained? How do you work around that in this COVID environment that we're in?
1: Um, I found it. Um... I find it quite interesting, really, just to be to work online. It actually takes a little bit of pressure off because for the previous project that went to London, um, everything had to be a certain size. I had to frame everything. I had to make sure the work was perfect for for the project to go over to London. Um, <laughs> So with this online project, it was a little bit more relaxed because I knew it was going online. It wasn't going on a wall anywhere. So I could get the work done to a certain standard and I knew it would be okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So it did kind of give me a little bit more leeway in terms on, of, of, the, of that project. Mm-hmm. Even though, I you know, I learned a lot from doing the photo fifty. It was quite stressful because it was a year-long a year long mentoring and um, kind of getting all the work together. And I had to like about 15, 13 works mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I had to produce. And there was 13 collages with different layers and they had to go to the framers. I had to get them back to the framers. I had to get them transported over to the UK, which was a bit of a nightmare. I nearly, they nearly didn't make it because in one of my mistakes. So doing something online Is quite
2: easier.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so um, yeah It's not as pressured mm-hmm. um,
0: and do you have plans to do more work online or are you looking forward as well to getting back into a more physical?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I'll just see what opportunities come, I suppose. I mean, I've completed the work and, you know, if I had the opportunity to show it as a video piece bigger, then that would be great. Um, if I can, t- can continue to show the clocks, Botany mm-hmm. um, of Silence is actually what it's called. Because um, it's actually kind of, I've actually reconfigured it a bit from when it was shown last year. Um, that would be, that would be great, but I'm, I'm, um, I'm working towards doing a, um, I've been asked to do some, make a presentation and do some workshops and that sort of thing. So yeah, then that probably would be online. So mm-hmm. it's given me different opportunities than the normally would, I normally would, um, mm-hmm because people and the galleries are being more aware that people of colour aren't getting representat- representation. I'm mm-hmm. so making a bit more of an effort out there. I know you've been doing it for like 10 years, but mm-hmm. um, I d- I'm seeing a significant more, a little bit more effort being made.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a bit more focus on it uh, rather than just sort of as a, a token gesture, if mm-hmm. you like, that is actually a serious commitment to yeah. it
2: yeah
1: yeah
0: uh, um, have you found that that's been a little bit of an issue within say the, an Irish context as well in to actually get visibility amongst with your yeah, work it's showing
1: very difficult very very difficult because I mean I always think there aren't that many photographer photography galleries and they have their own agendas and you know so I find it very difficult to um yeah, I found it very difficult. I had to actually organise my own exhibition, my own one person, my own one person exhibition, and get my own funding for it because it was just too difficult to just find somebody who would look at my work and take it seriously. So I, mm-hmm. mean, I had to do it myself. It's mm-hmm. only when I got uh, um, funding from um, I got a mentorship with Laura and we were working together for a year and then she said she put me into the photo 50 exhibition that kind of made a difference but I've been exhibiting in with Shutterhub, Hub and I've been exhibiting in, in Amsterdam I've exhibited in France so I was kind of building my CV up anyway
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um definitely outside of Ireland though um um yeah i did certainly did find it was a bit of a i'm not going to say dead end but very kind of lots of blocks in your way mm-hmm. i think you've you've got to a certain point you think oh that's funny Now i've you know i've proved myself in this area and then you hit another block and then you have to kind of oh, okay i have to go back to the drawing board and do something else
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and i suppose that's probably why i've done kind of moving image i've done um Photography, um, different different areas.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's as you sort of, to, so you say, to sort of to get this visibility within the local scene, but you've had to go outside of the local scene to enhance the visibility that you already had, um, yeah. and to further the sort of the the promotion of the work that you're doing. Mm. Um, yeah, that's it's. It's sad in one respect because, I mean, obviously, you would like to be shown uh, and like to be recognized within the local context that's for the work that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's also good on another respect that you've actually seized the opportunities to, to look outside of the island um, yeah. at other markets or potential markets that might be available as well. Yeah. Um, just finally, I'd just like to ask a sort of uh, question really about identity because um, from going back to the beginning of our conversation, you mentioned that um, obviously your, your identity, your cultural references are very mixed. Um, and now here you are living in Ireland as well. Um, how, do you, how do you see yourself? How, how, what, what sort of identity do you put on yourself um, without putting yourself in boxes, if you like?
1: Um... Well, I'm London-born, but um, my ancestry goes back quite far because my mum's from Jamaica, so my ancestry goes back quite far. I have Nigerian DNA, so my ancestry goes back quite far. Um, so that way it's quite rich, the ancestry that I have. Mm-hmm. Um I suppose that's how I see myself, really, um, in that positive sense rather than
0: mm-hmm.
1: a negative sense.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you feel as though you can be, uh, well, I wouldn't necessarily say authentic, but have you, have you had to modify or to um, assimilate in some respects um, yourself in any way at all into an Irish context?
1: Yeah. Um, it was, it's, I mean, it's funny we're doing the, the Clark's work because it's very Irish. I mean, it's about the Irish workers and it's about the industrialisation or lack of it in the area where I live. I mean, I'm not Irish. I wasn't born in Dundalk. Mm-hmm. But um, nobody else seemed to be taking an interest in the demolition of that building. Nobody Nobody really, if I hadn't gone and take photographs of that building while it has being demolished, nobody would have. Yeah. other than I'm assimilating myself I'm taking an interest in things that maybe other people aren't taking an interest in Um, and and like pushing that further along
0: Mm -hmm.
1: just to give it some visibility
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's probably a great place to to stop to say thank you very much indeed Samantha Brown for your time and um, all the best with the future with it thank you so that's it for this session of cfcps on air we'd just like to thank samantha brown for her time and her enthusiasm and look forward to talking again soon you're listening to cfcps on air the podcast that looks at migrant and culture diverse artists and how we can effectively showcase and further develop their talents